guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Sporting Post. It's week two. We're right back into it, Seb. Looking forward to another great episode. Yeah, I'm, I am, Mitch. Look, we've got a great guest today. We've got the ideal student, the ideal university student. <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. Absolutely. Yeah. And the CV of our guest today. At that's remarkable. Second, third, third year, I think she is. Like, it's, it, yeah. second year, it's, it's crazy. You know, it makes me jealous. I think I've done a fair bit. It makes me jealous. Yeah, sure does. Now, look, we've got heaps of time to talk to her, and we're, we're very, we're very excited to have Anna Pablo on the show later. But we've got heaps of time to talk to her later. But um, look, let's just take a couple of minutes to dive into the footy, shouldn't we, Mitch? Absolutely, I'm keen to do it. Cracking weekend of footy. Not if you're a cat supporter like me, but apart from that, oh mate, being a hawk supporter, uh, it was a very good weekend. Um, we were looking too great early on, obviously. Um, the Don seemed to have our number during the first half, at least. But great second half from the boys. Um, came back and won. Great stuff. Um, obviously, your man, Pay Dangerfield, has got himself in a bit of strife, um, getting sent straight to the tribunal. What were your thoughts on that one, mate? Yeah, look, that was something I wanted to talk about, actually, Mitch, because I know the AFL has taken a big stance or on protecting the head, and I completely agree with it. So if Danger gets rubbed out for three, four weeks, I don't – even though I love Danger, he's one of my favourite players. I can't mm-hmm. – won't say anything otherwise. I think he's a very fair player too. I don't think there was any malice in that bump. No, nah, of course not. If the AFL are going to protect the head and they want to suspend danger for three or four weeks, I've got him in my super coach team. It's like, it really hurts me to say this. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons I'm depending on danger. But if they want to suspend him for three or four weeks, I'm quite okay with that as long as they do that across the board in anything that can potentially injure the head. It's like, we've had a lot of things with CTE the last couple of, yeah, you know, last few months with Shane Tuck, Frawley, Polly Farmer, even before that. You know, like, I think it's a great idea that we need to protect the head, you know, because we see what happens down the track and it's not good. So if they're going to start, because the rules were tweaked a bit, like the onus is now on the player to make sure that they don't bump. If they choose to bump, it's on the repercussions from what comes of it. And Jake Kelly was bleeding. He went off the ground. He didn't come back. He was in a lot of trouble. Yep. So I'm okay with that as long as anything that happens from now on is treated the same way. We protect the head at all costs. Yep. And look, you're right. The, as much as we're, we're, we're one-eyed supporters, we want our team to win at all costs. At the end of the day, the health of the players, um, both during their time on the ground and then uh, when they move on from footy, um, is, is number one priority. We're to see a bit more. The health of players moving on after footy. And that's a really big priority, and rightly so. Yeah, absolutely. And you've, you've noted what happened to, obviously, the, the tragedies that um, befell um, the Frawley family, as well as um, Shane Tuck. Um, and numerous other players that have reported having issues going forward. I think absolutely. If if danger, uh, if if a key player has to get rubbed out for this message to kind of get through to the players that they need to look after um, their fellow man on the field, yeah, um, and make sure they're not doing anything untoward that's going to potentially affect uh, their future going forward, then that that's what needs to be done. Um, and yeah, it's 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 great that you as a as a Cats fan can um, can acknowledge that. Um, but yeah, um, and obviously we had a bit more controversy as well this week um, with uh, the incident involving um, Callum Ward and the St Kilda player whose name... Butler. Dan Butler, that's right. Dan Butler, uh, ex-Tigers player. Yeah, oh, mate. that's poor from me. Uh, but yeah, he had a... he had a, a There was a bit of an incident um, down at the end of that game that um, an interesting tackle, don't even really know if you could call it a tackle by Dan Butler, that resulted in a hole in the ball call, which... 
in the end sealed the game for the for the Saners. What were you, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, look, another interesting one because Callum Ward, see my super coach as well. He's a huge pod, and if he, I'll tell you what, if he had, he was on the run, he was going. So if he rebounded that fifty, like at the stage of the game, that's a fair few points right there. So I was keen for him to just freaking go. Like I was watching him, I was waiting and going bolt, bolt, bolt. Yeah. <laughs> look, it's an interesting one. I don't think Elaney. Blue defeat is, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce her last name, but the umpire that caught it, I don't think she had a great game calling, but I think that was one that she did get right because yeah. I think she might have said holding the ball at the time, and that would be the wrong interpretation, but he didn't get rid of the footy. You got, you got to, if you have fire, you got to kick or you handball. That is, that's the fact of the matter. Whatever else you want to say, I don't think it can trump that point. No. You got to kick the footy or you got to handball if you have fire opportunity. He did. He didn't do either of those things. Therefore, free kick. I, I 100% agree. And I mean, look, we can debate as much as we want over the style of the tackle that Dan Butler chose to employ. But at the end of the day, he didn't get him high. Um, he didn't hold him after the play. He just forced him to drop the ball. And at the end of the day, um, I think that was the right call. Um, as much as it's obviously difficult for if you're a fan of GWS to kind of be happy with that. At the end of the day, I think I think I think the umpire made the right call there. Yep, that's it. Just quietly, how good is it to be back debating these things, though? Oh yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, everyone's got their own sides. You know, I can look at that side and go, "What an idiot!" <laughs> but it's just it's nice to have to be able to say that. You know, I think everyone's so glad footy's back. Yeah, absolutely. I reckon with all that said, it's time to jump into our interview. Let's do it. All right, guys, and we're here with Anna Pavlou. Anna, uh, thanks for hopping on. How are you today? Good, thanks. How are you guys? We're fantastic. Yeah, we're doing well. Thanks for jumping on, Anna. We really appreciate your time. Um, you know, so you, you're not a household name yet, like I emphasise the yet, but we'll get to that. Um, can you tell for everyone else listening outside, can you give us a, a bit of an insight into yourself? Tell us a bit about your background. Sure. Well, I hope for your household name, so yes. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm... I'm 20 years old and I'm studying sports journalism at La Trobe and um, sport and AFLs and for uh, sorry cricket are my biggest passions I guess in life and that's kind of my end goal is to end up in the industry in some sort of way whether it's in a club or sort of for a paper for a radio fox footy anything really but yes I've um how deep do you want me to go here <laughs> well we can we can go very deep because when Mitch first told me about getting you on on the show like i had a look at your linkedin and i was like gee gee whiz that is nuts for, <laughs> for a second year student and then you know i had a look at your website and i was like this is even bigger um we should mention that you have a website how did you how did you get to coming coming up with that idea um so i've always liked writing and i think when i was 11 i started writing stories for the online publication footy almanac who also have a book um mm-hmm which they publish every year with stories from footy fans about the season that's happened. And um, my dad had written for them. My uncle had written for them. And they said when I was 11, oh, do you want to write a story for them about, you know, an experience down at Kidinia Park in Geelong because we're, we're a big Geelong family. At 11 years old too. That's- yeah. So I wrote a story called Down at Kidinia Park or something like that. And um Obviously, it got a lot of positive feedback. I was 11 and everyone's always going to be nice to you at 11, but <laughs> I, I really did back then had quite a passion for it and back then it was just writing really basic stories about, you know, my personal experience, what football meant to my family kind of thing, and I kind of built on that for another few years until I turned 16 in year 10 and I started taking it that summer before I headed into year 10. I started to kind of 
take it quite seriously. I realized it's a quite a tough industry to get into. So I, I started to look down paths that would get me kind of a head start. And yeah. luckily enough, my uncle James, he's a web designer and he said, let, and my mum actually pushed me and said, start a website. And he and my uncle James was very nice enough to support me getting that started analyst the play on the double end from my name the play on words but um very clever <laughs> um and then I kind of started to transform myself from writing those really personal football stories which are positive to start started to do more analysis pieces um a couple of the guys at the footy almanac helped me get a few interviews with um you know some VFL players some mm-hmm. just kind of different AFL and cricket people and that kind of started to build my career and that I guess I think starting back then has really helped me now because I've got a lot more opportunities at 20 that I don't think I would have had if I didn't kind of push myself at 16 so yeah Mm. um so I guess you've kind of already answered this next question that I have lined up but I'll throw it at you anyway um so was it when you turned 11 that you really I guess, discovered that you had a passion for sports and in particular kind of sports journalism. Was that when you first kind of realised how much you enjoyed um, doing what you're, what you're doing at the moment? Um, I've, I think I was six when I said I wanted to be sports writer. Jeez, I, you started even earlier than that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, the brain was ticking early. No, no. Um, like at 11, I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, I felt like I was a good writer and I knew my words had an impact and I feel like my year four teacher had said that at some point. But <laughs> there was a specific moment when I was 17. I'd just come off an interview with Jermaine Jones, who used to play for Geelong and now plays at West Coast. Yep. And Good player. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. a great guy. He's, he's got a really unique, special story and he's a great person. And we're actually friends now. But um, this is the first time meeting him and I reached out to him and I did this interview. And, you know, he was homeless, he was a foster child, he was adopted. And I came off this interview and was standing at Canadian Park and I go to my dad, yeah, this is, I was put on this earth to do this. He's like, what are you talking about? I was like, no, no. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, I was, I'm, here, I'm here to do, to tell people's stories, whether it's in sport or something, but this is what I'm here to do. And I think that was a really special moment because, you know, Jermaine Jones isn't like a high-profile Patrick Dangerfield and all that stuff, which... I've had I've had the honor to talk to high profile people, but just you know, talking to someone who's made it in their career, in in their chosen path, I guess that kind of was like that. Sit back and go, yeah, yeah, you, you you're on the right path here, kind of thing. Yeah, goosebumps kind of story, really. I bet this sounds like a very profound, dramatic time. Like it's <laughs> that's awesome. I kind of wish I had an experience like that. To be honest, I'm sure you do too, Miss. <laughs> I kind of just woke up one day and I, when I was about 12 and decided like, oh, yeah, if I can watch sport and get paid for a living, that sounds pretty cool. But you've had a- and I've, I've had that feeling too, don't worry. I've just, I've just traumatised it for the, for the show. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll keep moving on. So like in the intro for this show, we've described you as the ideal uni student. And if I just read through your CV a little bit, intern at Secure every Sunday on Northwest FM Radio, um, working with the VAFA, working with the women's game, AFL Victoria intern, uh, 3AW, work experience there. Like, and I'm only halfway through the list. And your your second year, like, so what do you think? Do you think you're really the ideal university student? Um, I was pretty lucky because my first year was COVID and as much as it was a pretty horrible year for everyone, especially here in Victoria, um, 
it gave me a really good opportunity to kind of buckle down and focus on finding that balance, which uh, I wouldn't say I'm the perfect uni student, but I think, as I said before, because I had started doing a lot of this, I interned at a lot of these places when I was still at high school. I kind of already had the, I guess, kind of structure from high school. I, I ended up dropping a subject down in year 11 and 12. So I only went to school three days a week because the other two days a week, I my school was actually very generous to allow me to go and work. So I would I would be on radio a couple of times during the school week and um, I would also be either at AFL Victoria, St Kilda or the VAFA. So mm. I guess back then I had to learn and I think for me I found year 12 a lot more difficult than I do university because I'm at university I'm studying something that I do have a passion for and it's a lot more flexible so I think I'm just glad that I guess yeah to answer the question I'm just glad that I started to build that structure for myself in year 12 because when I irrespective of COVID because this is my first real year at university on campus Mm -hmm. um, I think I would have been okay last year because I managed it pretty well in year 12 and I did I was pretty happy with my results and Mm-hmm. I still managed to keep all my um, jobs and to keep all my employer, employers happy. So. Yeah, still managed to have a life. Yeah, exactly. And that's something I am still, you know, I really try emphasize because Good start. Well, I'm just lucky enough that the jobs I do and everything is something I love. Sport, it's never been a chore for me. I love doing what I do, but I do. You know, there are points where you just want to go, okay, I need a break. And mm. I make sure I don't feel guilty for taking a break I mean I had a bit of a breakdown last night but we won't talk about that but, <laughs> but that's right I had that. It was a big day it's a big day but yeah I have I you know you got to be lenient with yourself that's what I'm trying to do you got to learn to be lenient because you can't do everything at once even though you want to and you want to be the perfect yeah you want to be getting all your best marks and you want to you know keep up your uni stuff and you want to do all that you have to just be lenient and go okay I can't I can't do this today that's okay because my weekend's busy or I'm going to be, I'm doing things this weekend. I don't feel guilty if I take a bit of time off kind of thing. Yeah. Well, with that, the amount of stuff that you're doing, it must be hard to, to get that balance, isn't it? Like you can't, I'm sure you can't do everything with uni and all those internships and friends, social life at the same time. Can you? I'll, I'm, okay. I'll rephrase that. I'm sure I couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and and knowing Mitch, I'm sure Mitch couldn't do that either. No, no, no chance. No chance. <laughs> I, I try. I, I don't like saying no. I get well. It's a good attitude, isn't it, to keep saying yes? Yeah, because I just remember when I was first kind of starting. Because I'm lucky now that I actually get asked. I get sent stuff from companies for the women's game. They're like, "Oh, we want you to interview this person." They'll send it to me. Back when I was younger, I was the one reaching out, and it was kind of like you know, the worst thing I always thought when I was younger. The worst thing they can say is no. So at least I've tried. Now it's like. Mm. Now that the opportunities are afforded to me, I don't want to say no because I work so hard to get them to start coming to me. So yeah, it's okay. Like yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening. Hopefully, there's a lot of people listening. But I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to the program um, that perhaps are struggling to kind of get CV experience and, and resumes, and wish they were in a position where people were approaching them. Um, do you have any advice for those people in terms of how you think they can go about? Uh, finding opportunities and getting opportunities um, so that they can kind of hopefully end up having a resume that looks something like what you've got? Um, yes, yeah, so thank you. Um, I think, as I said, just my advice before, the worst thing they can say is no. The best thing mm. in the modern 
journalism, sports media world is social media and technology. Um, so my biggest advice, Twitter, LinkedIn, if it wasn't for those things, I wouldn't get the exposure that I do. You know, you get followed by a lot of the journalists and then you end up at press conferences and you and they go, oh, okay, I know you, I know you. And having that presence on social media, building yourself up, being really loud with what you say, how you feel in, in sport, of course, is actually a beneficial thing. The louder you are, more so in a positive way, the more people are going to hear your voice or are going to see your tweets or are going to look into you more. Mm-hmm. And I honestly didn't actually have contacts when I started doing this, which of course is a big part of the industry. I'm glad now that I do have built up contacts, but I can hand on heart say I've never used a contact to get any of my employment or internships or anything. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because we, we always hear it's contacts, 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 don't we, Mitch? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, I hear that too, of course. Interesting you've gone a different way, yeah. Yeah, so I'm lucky that I think, I, again, I think I'm just lucky because I did start at 16. So I think me being a pest in the industry for that long now, people go, okay, we might as well give her a bit of a chance. <laughs> no, no. But even if you don't have those contacts, just as I said, being present, and making a really good impression and talk yourself up. I in, Not in a cocky way, but make yourself, like, even if you haven't done, like, you're doing something little at your uni, talk it up because, and tell them, oh, I'm using so much stuff. This is the programs we're using. This is what I'm experienced at. And another bit of advice that I got from one of my mentors, Donna DeMeo, who um, recently just moved from 3AW to Gold FM, she's always like, apply for every single job that you see that is relevant to you, mm. even if it's like five years out of your experience. So that's what I do. Yeah, okay. Which is uh, honestly, it, it sounds, and at first I was like, that is so embarrassing. But she's kind of right in the sense that you see a job, let's say it's like the media manager at um, Melbourne Footy Club. Realistically, for guys like us who are still studying, that's way out of our league. Well, we, well, we just had Jack Kovacic on the show last week who's a 22-year-old Melbourne City manager, and that was quite a quite a journey exactly yeah getting your name out there and just uh, even as i said applying for those jobs making yourself look you know like even if you've got one little internship under your belt talk it up get them to write about you you know put it all over your linkedin as much as you can because that's what i did at the start when i didn't have a lot and i think now you can look back and go okay yeah that's that's even if that was me now that could still get me somewhere because i did keep talking about it remind myself post it everywhere annoy people with it because then they know okay she's serious about this yeah we completely agree it's an interesting point yeah so it's not it's not out of everyone's like but um but you're 100 right yeah well it sounds like you got like a real brand a real philosophy about how you want to go about this and like how you want to go about your future as well i'm definitely trying that's for sure yeah yeah good stuff <laughs> i guess i guess if i could sum up what you've kind of said there in one word it would probably be marketability just being able to market yourself mm. and make yourself look um, like a really attractive option for any future any future opportunities that come forward. People are going to think of you first because you've marketed yourself well beforehand. I guess that would be how I'd summarise it. Do you reckon that's a, a pretty good assessment of it? Yes, you you can sum, sum up things a lot better than I do. I just talk. Well. That, is, that is absolutely <laughs> right. I appreciate that. That's what we do on here. We talk and talk and talk. It's quite all right. <laughs> We take a very simpleton's approach to it. <laughs> yeah. um, just before we were jumping on, I said I wouldn't ask you any hard questions, and so I hope you don't take this as in if it's a hard question. But um, we know that the sports industry is a very narrow one. I was told that when I like started going down that path. So was Mitch. And I'm sure you would be too. 
But are you worried that you haven't opened up enough doors or you, you've got all your eggs in the, in the one basket? Yeah, that's, no, that's a good question. Um, I often sit back because I guess back when we were young kids, when I was, when I was really starting to get into this kind of as a tween, early teenager, it was kind of like, oh, you, you either, if you want to do sports journalism, you're either writing for the paper and that's it, or you're on TV and that's it, or you're on radio and that's it. And back then club social media didn't exist. So that was a different, that was a door that wasn't even open for us yet. So I really focused heavily on the writing aspect because that is my strongest point. And as much as I was lucky, I did start at an early age. It took me a while. By the time I was in year 12, 16, oh, sorry, 17, 18, I'd just kind of gone, okay, hang on. The world of social media is growing. There are club jobs that didn't exist when I was 11. So, and I, I felt, even though I probably wasn't, I felt a little bit behind and I was like, okay, I need to learn a whole different thing because my writing's fine. Yep. I can write. I can put it on a website. I can put it in a book. I can put it wherever. That's fine. So, I had to start learning Photoshop and because that's a part of, you know, using social being a social media manager at a club. And that's something I do at St Kilda now that I never thought I'd be doing five years ago, learning to use Photoshop, learning to use um, Premiere Pro to create videos, editing, filming, taking photos, recording, using cameras, doing podcasting. That's something, and it's and I can sit here and go, oh, I still don't know what I'm doing. I, I, I do, but, you know, I'm, I'm not at the level I want to be. And that's always in the back of my mind is somebody who's just got a bit more video experience, who's studying you know, something to do more so to do with video going to beat me in a job. But again, that's that's where the talking up comes in, where you can say, yeah, yeah, yeah I've done this. And that's, I always post everything I've done. I, I go, it goes on my website, even if it's for like a program or something I'm trying out for or something I've done for one of the local footy clubs I work for. I do their social medias or St Kilda. It goes on my website because all that stuff, even if it's not at the level that my goal is kind of be, continue to stay in a club. I guess if it's not at that level, even if it's there, they go, okay, she's she's trying kind of thing. So as much as it is narrow, just trying and showing that you've done a bit of, you had a bit of experience with Photoshop, a bit of experience with Premiere Pro, that's kind of what's going to tip you over the edge, I guess, in the end. So I guess we'll kind of go away from talking about you specifically. And obviously you've had a lot of involvement um, with women's footy. And I guess I wanted to ask you your thoughts on the state of women's footy. So, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on women's footy? Where do you think it's going to go over the next few years? Sure. Um, yes, I've been quite heavily involved since I was went since the first season four or five years ago now. And I think this is probably the first season I've sat back and gone, okay, I can see the pure footballers finally starting to filter through the system. Gotcha. Yeah, I 100% agree. Yeah, because definitely – at the start of this and you know no criticism to the AFL they wanted to commercialize the game they wanted to professionalize it and fast track its growth so what they did was obviously bring in cross coders bring in big names bring in you know I'm just going to use um Shani Layton for an example she's a netballer obviously um because irrespective of her being a netballer she's an elite an elite athlete so I, I don't think they made a mistake by bringing those people in but they they instead of choosing the path of kind of blooding a pure football program they decided to fast track it so they could get more exposure I have always thought they should have started the AFLW as an under under 18s TAC cup kind of style and then kind of by now that all be you know 
all those players would be at the peak of their career kind of thing. Mm. So as much as they, they do the right thing by commercialising the game and fast-tracking it, I think I'm actually glad now to see the pure footballers coming through and sides actually with players who know what they're not that the others didn't, but yeah. know how to structure a game, how to play, how to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Like finally we're seeing pure football. We look at someone like a Patrikios who's from St Kilda who's been playing for her teen- all of her teenage years. And as much as the Geelong women's side hasn't done too flash this season, they have now. You can't look at anyone and go, oh, they're all cross-coders or they're big stars. They've, they're starting from the bottom and picking pure footballers who – Although they're young, they're going to know the game in five years. And in five years, Geelong's going to be, be the benchmark. And I look at Brisbane and they're currently the benchmark kind of thing. So as much as I enjoyed the cross-coders and the commercialisation of the game and the growth of the game, because I thought it was really positive, um, I'm actually looking forward to the next. I think it's going to be great the next few years. We're going to actually see some some players who just, you know, you look at someone like a Gary Ablett, he always just knew the game. It was just, you know, you're going to see that in the AFL job which I'm actually really excited for because the skill will just get better and better. Yeah. I think you've made a really good point there in terms of, I guess, pure footballers versus just athletes who happen to be good at footy because they're good athletes. Um, And I think you're right that um, over the coming years as younger girls who started watching the AFLW when they were 9 or 10 rather than it becoming a thing when they were already um, adult women just looking for, for a place in a team, these young girls who really see a path for them and an opportunity for them, by the time in three or four years' time, those girls are going to be the girls that are coming into the game. And I think it's it's really on the up and up. And I think, you know, we, obviously there was a lot made of the lack of scoring in the first season or two, and I think that's really turned around. Um, there's been a lot of high-scoring games, which yeah. um, for better or worse is an important part of, of marketing the sport. So, yeah, I think I think you've, you've nailed it in terms of how we're starting to see the skillful side of the game rather than just the pure athleticism side of the game come through. And I think that's that, that can only do good things for um, for its future. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Look, and we don't want to keep you too much longer. We've kept you over time already. But I'm interested to hear, what is your dream job going forward? Gosh, I got asked this last week and I was like, eh. Well, if you asked me when I was young, I would have told you I want to write. I want to be the head of sport at the age which still would be a dream. That, that's mine. That's mine too. Honestly, the age or Harold's son. All right. Well, I'll, I'll see. I'll see you in the um, interview room, and I'll, I'll we'll compare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I've got three or oh, two really. I'd like to be. I really enjoy where I am at St Kilda, and I would like to be at any club the head of media for a club. I think that's a really special job that I didn't consider a couple of years ago I think being in St Kilda I've been afforded such an opportunity to actually be the good guy in the media industry as much as most of the AFL journos minus a few no names though <laughs> um are actually pretty good guys and they're not trying to exploit a lot of players um yeah we've heard this before there's a lot of there's a lot of negative coverage around the game isn't there yeah, look, but I look at someone like a Dan Cherney, who's at the age, and Riley Beveridge AFL. They're young guys. Very nice guys. Yeah, and they're, and they're really, you know, they just they just love their footy, and that's I feel like that's definitely what me and I guess you guys as well. You just want to make that connection. So if I was ever to go down that path, I would I would love to be kind of like a Kelly Underwood or a Kath Lawson on Fox Sport kind of boundary rider, mm-hmm. special comments kind of thing on TV. Or, and I said, the, like a media manager because the bond that I've been able to form with the players and the people within the club behind closed doors is something 
that I never thought was possible in the sense of like they trust you to protect them against the evils of media. No, I'm just joking, but you know what I mean. <laughs> um, that you are given quite a important job of, you know, you get to promote them in the club, but they also want you to protect their image. And, you know, that's that's a cool part of the job that I never thought, you know, because they always tell you in media, it's always like, you got to get the story. Don't even worry about the connections you make, which was what I was told quite early on. But I've, Yeah, I think we've moved away from that a bit, haven't we? Yeah, I think that's changed. Even if I wasn't working in a club, I think that's changed as well because the more relationships you have, the more people you can be comfortable around at a press conference or in a club or yeah. wherever you are. That actually triggers a, a memory in me. Sorry to cut you off, Adam, but we had from, from Monash, we had that the um, security head of media, and it's going to really bug me because I can't remember his name now. Oh, Dave O'Neill. Dave O'Neill, that's it. The bald guy? Yeah, he's my boss. He's a legend. He, he's a lovely guy. We had him come into Monash uh, on Zoom last year. I think we had him in yeah. campus in person the year before. And he was telling us exa- pretty much exactly what you're telling us. Like the journos that come to him, that, like, you know, just keep screwing the club and write bad press all the time. Mm-hmm. It's his choice. And he can laugh in their face and go, no, 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 I'm not giving you anything. But it's the ones that he trusts and stuff that, you know, can give a bit of both way coverage and can help them out a bit when they need it. Those are the people that he talks to and those are the people that he wants to work with. Well, yeah, no, he's literally just left St Kilda. He's mm-hmm. my, he was my boss, my former boss. But that's exactly the advice he always gives me. He's like, you've got, you've got that power to decide what stories are getting out there and what stories aren't. Yeah, he sounds like a fantastic guy. Yeah, he is. He's great. You guys are lucky you got to hear from him. <laughs> All right, well... We've just gone 27 minutes in this interview, which was quite a lot longer than we were expecting to go for, but I guess that's a testament to how good of a guest you are. Oh, no, I just talked too much. <laughs> Loved having you on, Anna. Yeah, no, it's, it's, been, it's been great. Um, we really appreciate um, having you on, um, and thank you for your time. Um, I'm sure it's been really insightful. It's been insightful for me, so I hope it's been insightful for um, any of our listeners out there who've um, decided to hop on this week. Hopefully we all took something out of that. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Anna. Um, We really appreciate it. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks, Seb. Good luck with the rest of the year. Thank you. You too. Um, We'll see you next time.